on this episode of Comedy Rewind. How well does Dogma shoulder Kevin Smith's entry into mainstream cinema? Does the religious commentary hold up in 2020? Which lead in this movie had their career basically ruined by an FBI investigation? All of this and more on Comedy Rewind. 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 Push Rewind. I thought this was a comedy show. What's going on guys? Welcome back to Comedy Rewind. We are powered by Audio Technica as we rewatch the great comedies of the 1990s. I'm your host, John O'Peck, and joining me is the angel of improv, Ben Slinger of Bitstorm, and the angel of grumpiness, Benny McJanet. How are you guys doing? Oh, good. Thanks for having us. Yeah, grumpiness is accurate. Yeah. Most people would yeah. be insulted by that, but I think you kind of wear that as like a badge of pride. I, I embrace it. Uh, it. It's my own brand. <laughs> it's my brand now. I'm just like, yeah, I'm the grumpy old man. I don't care anymore. Keep it going. Yeah. What's, what's the age that you're allowed to be the grumpy, grumpy old man before you just... Before that, you're just sort of a belligerent kid, you know? Yeah. I, I, think, I think it's... A lot of people accept me as the grumpy old man now, but like it, it took a few extra years to just nudge him in the right direction. So. It'll. It's the good thing is that it'll suit you more and more as you get older. Exactly. And... Everyone says, oh, "Hey, I was a grumpy old man when I was 15. So. It's... <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Anyway, um, Ben. So we've got Ben and Benny here, which is sure to be confusing. But I thought we mm-hmm. might start off with Benny. Have you ever been a Ben? What, what was the decision to become a Benny? I want to know um, how that came about. So Benny was more just a nickname in the internet. Well, not so even so much internet space. Like a few friends would just call me Benny, like as offhand remarks, mm-hmm. like "Hey, Benny boy" and all that sort of stuff. So I never, yeah, it was always Ben. I always introduced myself as Ben at work and everything like that. Still, my parents still call me Ben. Okay. Um, all that sort of stuff. It's just Benny became more of an internet persona side of things as well because there are a lot of Bens out there. So I was like, well, I've got to stand out a little bit somehow. So <laughs> this this kind of works for me, just make it a little bit different. But it's yeah. still my you, still my. Are name you a Benjamin? I'm... Is this a yeah? Is Ben yeah, short? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm a Benjamin. I assume you're a Benjamin as well. So I'm a Benjamin. Yeah, yeah. I have to say that at uni, Ben was definitely the most common name. Oh wow! In, on on campus, like there was just a million Bennies or Bens. I, I guess. remember in primary school there was one one grade. I can't remember what year it was, but there was like four Bens in our grade, <laughs> and a small one country. grade all Bens. Yeah, just a grade of Bens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Just throw them all in a room together. <laughs> yeah, a small small country town high uh, primary school as well. That that got confusing fast. Yeah, that's a, that's a lot of Bens for a small school. Yeah, yeah. Mm. It's a, it's kind of a ageless name, like some oh, names yeah. you hear and you go, oh, that's probably a, a guy in their 50s. Um, but, you know, a Ben could be a baby, could be a, a eight-year-old, or it could be mm. someone like you guys. Yeah. A bit older. <laughs> anyway, <laughs> speaking of that's a bit sad. older, we're talking about a 1999 uh, fantasy comedy, Dogma. We're back on the Kevin Smith wagon. And Ben, I think your only appearance so far was Clerks, back, way back Clerks. in like episode three, I think. Yeah, yeah. Between uh, Trevor, my co-host on Bitstorm, and myself, where I think we've become your your Kevin Smith go-tos. So yeah, and I thought happy to you know, be back. Trevor's had a couple other opportunities to jump in, so it's mm-hmm. time to get you back back on the show. And um, no, well, this was a good one for that. So. Yeah, and, and and Benny, I think you've expressed being somewhat of a pretty big kevin smith fan too yeah. i think both of you and i have thought going into this that this might be our favorite of the Askewniverse universe 
movies. I and I'm, it, yeah. It is. I was thinking about that today, actually. Um, I think this and Clerks 2 are my two favourites of the viewer skew. I was just going to say Clerks. I need to watch Clerks 2 again because I think it might be number one now. I think it's that still I've my favourite. I think, yeah. yeah, Clerks 2 is still my favourite. But this, up until Clerks 2, this was the favourite. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, yeah I wouldn't have I wouldn't have pegged this as necessarily up there before rewatching it. And mostly because I just hadn't thought about like my Kevin Smith top whatever. Yeah. Uh but and not to, you know, get too much into it too quickly, like it held up for me and I re- sort of remembered how good it was. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so I, I think for my personal memories and experience with this movie it was as i've said with the other kevin smith podcasts like when i was in my late teens or early 20s just like going through and watching all the kevin smith movies as i came across them a bit after they came out this was one that stood out because it felt like a polished hollywood movie but mm. it still felt like a kevin smith movie you know in a way yeah. that Mallrats certainly doesn't and the clerks certainly doesn't and i guess uh chasing amy was kind of like the in-between movie yeah chasing amy felt more like the sort of typical indie sort yes. of film mm. yeah. still with kevin smith's kind of you know penchant for crude and, and sex talk and sex humor but <laughs> yeah i agree that this one definitely mm. felt more polished and more big budget yeah uh, and and it's it's very much obvious from the not only the, the cast being like pretty a-list for its time but also just the way that it's shot, you can tell from like the lenses they're using on the camera compared to you chasing Amy and, and more rats. Mm. Uh, it, it just feels like it's a movie that you wouldn't watch it instantly and go, this is a Kevin Smith movie or it's a, a independent filmmaker or it's something that isn't meant to make millions and millions of dollars necessarily. Yeah. I, I And chasing Amy opened a lot of doors for this film as well. Um, cause, and it's on record, Alan Rickman and Chris Rock and I think it was a few of the other cast as well all literally wanted to be in this movie because of Chasing right. Amy um, like I think uh, Kevin Smith tells the story where he says oh we heard Alan Rickman was a fan of Chasing Amy so we sent him the script and he, the only question he had when he asked about it was are you going to cut any of this because yeah. he loved the script so much <laughs> he didn't want any of it to be cut out um, so yeah that's yeah it was kind of cool that that's how this all came about really. i think the, yeah, there's the, there two questions the other one was other wings like oh yeah other wings digital CGI or, or real, yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah so uh, uh ben being i think a bit older than or well, definitely older than me um do you have recollection like did you watch this movie as it was out at the cinema or did you wait for it to cut into dvd <laughs> so in between uh, I've, I've, I did note, I, I took down some notes before I started watching of sort of what I remembered. And one of the main things was, this was the first Kevin Smith movie that, uh, that came out after I kind of got into Kevin Smith. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the others I'd sort of come across through probably VHS, uh, at the time, uh, or, or different means, but this was the first one I saw where I, where I was sort of following his work. So mm-hmm. I had a little bit of buzz around it. Uh, I'm not sure why i did this but 
it may have been that it was a way to get it earlier, but I downloaded a cam, <laughs> a bad cam rip of this over dial-up. That was going to say in in early two thousand yeah. or late ninety nine. Yeah. That would have taken a long time. Yeah, you just reminded took, me that it, yeah, ninety nine would have been dial-up. Oh, it God. probably took about a week. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I do recall having you know the old FTP servers with resume on to make sure that it would pick up after any disconnections. Uh, so yeah, that's actually how I first watched it. I'm not sure I actually ever saw it at the cinema, uh, right. but definitely then, you know, grabbed it on DVD later and, and watched it many times with commentary tracks and this sort of thing. Yeah. Right. And what was your initial thoughts at that time? Do you remember? Uh, I was pretty into it. I, I don't recall it being sort of a blow me away moment but mm-hmm. it was definitely it was more kevin smith right it was more of his work to enjoy so uh yeah like i said i wouldn't have picked it necessarily as one of my favorites coming into it and i i do wonder if it's now that it's more that it holds up more because it is sort of that more of a bu- big budget film and more yeah. of a uh you know a sci-fi fantasy kind of thing that uh it holds up as my older self rather than my 18 year old self. Mm. Okay. Yeah, I think the thing that I liked about it was that it was a bit more high concept than the other stuff. Um, Having, obviously, this fantasy or sci-fi element, um, being like a Christian myself and having all this mythology and imagery and uh, lore, I guess, in there made it quite interesting and and kind of challenged some of my thinking about things. And we'll probably get into it a bit later. You know, there's obviously a lot of liberties taken with the... Uh, theology and stuff that doesn't <laughs> Benny's got the buddy Jesus set up as his background there yeah. I love it um, there's, a, yeah, there's a lot of stuff that like Kevin Smith's just using c- complete creative license with but at the same time he, he does hit on some really like uh, important commentaries I think about organized religion or about the people that have taken christianity or catholicism and kind of run with it in the wrong direction so i think that that is something that i enjoyed despite you know i guess some people would say it's blasphemous but uh we can get into all that later uh did the did the just i guess to start with did the religious element of this for you guys hit in any particular way the first time you saw it because it is quite a unique thing about this movie, I think, and a, an area mm-hmm. that most films wouldn't dare to tackle because obviously it was quite a controversial thing at the well, time. Yeah, I, I don't recall many other comedies, especially, well, yeah, not many comedy films based with a religious overtone for the, the Life of Brian. Of the Life of Brian <laughs> is probably the only one that really comes yeah. to mind. Like, there aren't a hell of a lot, especially in that late 90s, early 2000s period. Um,. I and no, I was actually uh, baptized uh, Catholic and everything as well, so I, I've had a bit of that Catholic upbringing myself. And even like I never really been a strong practicer of religion or anything like that. But watching this, it uh, did make me question my faith. And I think that's something that I think a lot of people should do every now and then is just question their faith and what they believe in. And and as Chris Rock brings up in one of his uh, parts, is to like having a better idea of what happens. Mm-hmm. or what is happening rather than having blind belief in something works better and i i agree with that sentiment that's brought up in the movie it's brought up a couple of times um and i really that re- really resonated to me as someone who doesn't necessarily identify as christian or catholic but has that background to their their life mm-hmm. 
Mm. Yeah, whereas I wasn't brought up religious at all um, and have never practiced a religion. But so, and actually thinking about it now, that may have been one of the things at that age that uh, that made it a bit difficult to get into because there's some sort of dense catholic lore in there that he that he draws upon for them for absolutely the main plot and you know i don't know if someone who's grown up with that um with those stories and and some of that history uh would sort of that that would make more sense with them and and it makes more Mm. sense for them and and kind of that those that it would be familiar enough that you know all all the all the sort of talk about um you know god god's infallibility and Mm you know that that what what happens on earth will be held true in heaven and this sort of thing and uh, and i think at the time that actually maybe made it a bit hard to even follow what was right. going on when i was originally watching this uh i didn't find it as much of an issue this time uh, and maybe that's just because of you know i've learned more understand more about it i've also listened to kevin smith talk a lot about his experiences with, with with religion and how this was you know this movie was obviously him you know working through certain ideas with his religion and mm. uh, exploring that so yeah yeah that's interesting and i think you, you bring up a good point like in a way that a lot of kevin smith movies are just full of pop culture references mm. this one almost replaces them with like like biblical references and stuff like that which maybe i appreciate like when he's talking about (laughs) like you know what happened in egypt with the angel of death and that kind of thing Mm. um instead of just like talking about star wars and lord of the rings or whatever so yeah that does make it stand out i think and uh ben you'll probably know more about like i guess the backstory to this movie coming together but from what i gather it was his first movie that he wanted to make but obviously didn't have the budget to make it work in the way that you could with something like clerks it's a bit more simple right and and it was also intended to be like the the first follow-up to clerks because at the end of the the credits it says that jay and silent bob will return in dogma uh yeah i i believe that was the case um it's been a while since i listened to the commentary tracks and such to remember that sort of trivia i don't have the the uh bear trap uh minds that trevor does for trivia okay. but um uh, <laughs> yeah i do I, <laughs> that's all right i do recall <laughs> yes that that this was this was definitely one of his his earlier ideas and and it took this long to sort of gain enough uh respect and and uh, you know ability in the industry to to pull together what he needed to to make it mm. yeah and he really did a great job like the cast of this movie it's probably more impressive now than it was at the time with especially mm. with like matt damon and ben, ben affleck becoming like two of the biggest box office draws of <laughs> the last 20 years i guess uh, but we'll get into that a bit later for now, do you want to guess what the Rotten Tomatoes score would be for this movie? We'll start with Benny. I'm going to say it's in the 60s. Probably, let's, let's just say 64. Random guess. Sure. Ben? Uh, I'm going to go with 71. So it was 67, Ooh. which puts you within three, Benny. 
I feel yeah. like you've you've had some pretty decent nice. guesses over the past episodes, but that's 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 mm. a good one. I was going to say sixty nine, but then I didn't want to be crude. <laughs> but it would have got me closer, so I should have. It's Price is Right rules anyway. So <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh, true, anyway, yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, a budget of ten million dollars, which isn't a lot for a movie like this. Like it's surprisingly mm. low, especially when you consider Chris Rock, Salma Hayek, and uh, as you mentioned, Alan Rickman. Like three very w- well respected actors in their fields, uh, and that's not even including. Affleck and Damon, who I guess they're friends of Kevin Smith, so it's kind of mates rates, I suppose. Um, well, they but all did it, it to scale, apparently. Yeah, which is kind of a, a really interesting um, interesting thing about the movie. It, it made $44 million, which makes it the highest grossing film in the series, like the Viewers Universe series. Not a lot of money. It's funny how like much cultural impact Kevin Smith has has when his movies have never really made that much money mm. <laughs> yeah he's he's almost the definition of sort of the cult filmmaker in mm. that way that he has such an audience and, and so many people know who he is but for whatever reason that just doesn't translate to to box Go, office to going to the movies yeah yeah it'd be interesting to look at i guess dvd sales and that kind of thing because i feel like it would like be double and triple oh, times yeah. over <laughs> yeah, i mean especially. and he obviously makes enough to live pretty comfortably you know he's yeah. not he's yeah. not a struggling <laughs> filmmaker by any means i definitely say it's all in like video sales like after the fact because especially in those early 2000s and like dvds were big back then and all that sort of stuff like renting the dvds or buying mm. dvds especially in the late 2000s too like you, J, that's when JV Hi-Fi took off here in Australia because of all the DVD and CD sales and things like that going on there. So and everyone had big DVD collections. I still got a box of DVDs in the corner here. <laughs> you can see so mine behind me. I've just there you go. So like office. just from collecting in those days, whereas now I don't buy anything really physical. Um, so yeah, the the director or the the video home video sales back then definitely would have made up a huge share of his market. Mm. Yeah, because uh, I know so many people, and it also speaks to the type of films that he would make as well. Uh, but like the stoner comedy side of things for him as well, because back in my stoner days, in those early two thousand periods, <laughs> a lot of my friends and myself, we would watch these movies on repeat and reciting the same jokes over and over and over again. Yeah, that's the yeah. effect that Jay and Silent Bob have on 100%. people. Hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah. So I've got a, a comment here from the Empire Magazine when it came out saying Smith's comic allegory is overlong and confused, but his move from indie to mainstream deserves at least some credit. And I think we've we've kind of touched on both of those ideas. So we'll move on to <laughs> the number one song when this movie released. Uh, I, I usually make people guess this, but it's so hard. So we'll just <laughs> shoot through it. And in the US, it was Smooth by Santana in november of 99 and then a few months later in australia it was actually in february year 2000 and killing hardy was at number one with mascara bit of a throwback and there you go that's why i had to download a copy because we weren't getting it for another three months yeah (laughs) that explains everything uh what have you done for me lately ben affleck had uh, the Way Back, which was like a basketball movie coming out in, I think, March. Probably one of the last movies to get a cinematic release. Unless Wait, it... Did it, hey, did it... He was Batman. 
Oh uh, yeah, he he was Batman, <laughs> but you know that wasn't lately. That was uh, when was he last Batman? It was probably th- a couple three of years ago. Years ago? Yeah. yeah, but still, I mean that's that's pretty recent. <laughs> I guess yeah. Uh, He's Matt, being replaced now. Yeah, there's a new Batman. So. There's already a new Batman. Yeah. <laughs> Matt Damon has a movie coming out either later this year or early next year called The Last Jewel, which is a Ridley Scott movie with Adam Driver about like the last medieval duel i suppose so i'm looking forward to whatever that ends up looking like i think he and affleck had a go at the screenplay adapting a book obviously jay and silent bob reboot has been out uh late last year slash early this year depending on which part of the world you live in i still haven't seen it i know that you guys i haven't seen it oh you haven't no and it's one of those ones because the way they released it where they just went from town to town releasing it it's like I get what you're trying to do, but can you just release the movie? Because it's just kind of giving me a now. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing that that Kevin Smith has done a few times. Uh, and I agree, especially for us in Australia, because he never makes it down here. Mm. Uh, I don't even know if Reboot is even in, in the cinemas here at all, to be I honest. don't know. It, I, I maybe, it yeah. Yeah. So anyway, I still haven't seen it. I think last time you were on here, Ben, you were about to check it out or it was coming soon. Yeah. Yeah. Trevor and I watched it. Um, and yeah, uh, both Matt Damon and Ben Affleck. I think Matt Damon was in it. Yeah. I'm always certain. But uh, yeah, it was, it was okay. <laughs> <laughs> Interesting enough, I did a little bit of research and I think this was the last movie that Affleck and Damon did together as like the lead roles like Mm. obviously goodwill hunting Mm. was a big one they had i think they did some comedies together in the mid to late 90s but this was the last time that they were both in the same movie i I wonder if people couldn't afford to get them together after this they were in jalen science strikes back together they were but they were a cameo role but yeah yeah, it was it was their goodwill hunting like goodwill hunting too yeah hunting season well and, and amusingly Apple this, was, this was really <laughs> yeah. before that uh they both become kind of more action stars at mm. that point mm-hmm. more so True. damon than affleck i guess although obviously with batman and, and other things affleck's done a lot of of action sort of stuff too why like there needs to be an action reunion of them together they need to be in an action film together like i feel like that would uh yeah, it'll be like Big Expendables green. 12 or something. Yeah. <laughs> With yes. them and, and like uh, Vin Diesel and, they, and whoever else. The Rock. And, yeah, yeah, The Rock. And they work so well off each other as well. They should, they really yeah. should do something else again. Um, I know it's kind of pigeonhole casting for that sort of thing, <laughs> but yeah, they do work well. I think they should, actually, have, they should have brought They should have brought Matt Damon on as a Robin. Yeah. <laughs> well, you can't really do that because he's actually older than Ben Affleck. Um, yeah, but he look, he's got more of the baby face, I feel. <laughs> but, um, like, it was actually, you just reminded me about them being together. And that was one of the things I think that's turned me off watching this when it first came out. Because I would have been 16 when this came out in the States. Was because it was around that same time that Goodwill Hunting came out. It was like, oh, it's just a Ben Affleck, Matt Damon movie. It just, I just. Because they're on the cover of the poster and everything mm. like that. Yeah. It's just like, oh, the, and they're angels. Okay, this is just another Goodwill Hunting movie. And it wasn't <laughs> until later that I realized, oh, it's a Kevin Smith film. And it's related to Clerks, blah, blah, blah. That's when I actually went and watched it. Um, yeah. So it's. Yeah, right. Yeah. All right. Well, Salma Hayek had a movie come out earlier this year called Like a Boss, 
didn't do so great, but she gets credit for actually releasing a movie in the year of the coronavirus. Uh, <laughs> Chris Rock just hosted SNL and he's in the upcoming The Witches movie, I think. Is it a movie or a TV show? I think it it's a movie, like right? It looks like it's a movie and I think he's the narrator. Yes. Yeah, that sounds right. With Anne Hathaway. With Anne Hathaway. I, mean, yeah. I didn't see him in the trailer, but I heard his voice. Mm. And then uh, the female lead of this movie, Linda Fiorentino, has done nothing since 2009. And I don't know if you know much about her, but there's a really weird story where she was, like, accused of... This is like... She was apparently dating an FBI agent that was getting investigated for accessing information and giving it to her for a screenplay about a criminal that she was actually with. And then, like trying to use the information to get him out of his like 15 year jail sentence really weird wow. footnote in her like wikipedia page <laughs> and there's nothing really official about why she's not working anymore so i wonder if it's related to that um hmm. witness who, protection Crazy yeah story. who really knows but she was she was in men in black in the 90s and that was probably like her mm. big role that i can think of and then, oh, yeah, she kind of me. seemed to be popping up here and there and then suddenly just, like, never again. So, a bit of a weird one. And apparently not very fun to work with, according to Kevin Smith. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that's one of the things that I definitely heard, you know, after this film came out was that they had creative differences, to put it mildly. Uh, mm. And that, like, some days she just wouldn't even talk to him. Yeah. Yeah, you, yeah. You, you never know without being there sort of how that sort of thing comes about, but also knowing, you know, how sort of laid back Kevin Smith is, it's hard to imagine him creating beef, so who knows. Yeah, according to the stories that he tells, it's like she wasn't happy that other actors were allowed to leave when they weren't having shoots. Like if they had some days off, they were allowed to go from the place that they were filming back to New York or LA or whatever. But she was mm. filming so much that she couldn't and she got hissy about it. And then apparently she didn't like the poster because Matt Damon and Affleck were in the middle and that's like obviously his right. side of the story. Uh, but then apparently after his heart attack or something, I think she called him and he like apologized for all the things that he said about her quite openly as he does. Mm -hmm. So I guess we can we can let her off the hook. Close the book on that, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what yeah. he said, right. she said really. Yeah, yeah, I mean, she didn't really say... She hasn't really given her side, so it's just pretty much he said. Yeah. He said. Um, and he, he says a lot, so... <laughs> yes, he does. <laughs> uh, okay. The, what's the most 90s moment of Dogma, Ben Slinger? I, I was surprised at how few things there were, mm. actually, in this. That, this was a that tough one. really made it clear that it was, uh, that it was the 90s. Uh, for me, it was just that the little demon kids were on rollerblades. <laughs> that is definitely sort of a definitive nineties, you know, trend for me. Uh, but yeah, that was, that was really all I, all I came up with. Yeah. It was definitely a tough one. Did you have anything, Benny? I mean, there's a few references that are very more nineties than today, I suppose, but not so much. Yeah, anything the, the, that's really critically outstanding. Um, like you look at the the TV in the bar and stuff like whenever they're watching mm. the TV, it's always an old TV. Um, 
the way that they were in the airport, that's not what American airports are like these days. Um, <laughs> that's true. You probably couldn't just sit around and watch people. Yeah, get on and off planes. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I don't yeah. know what they were like in the 90s, so I've got nothing to compare it to. It's but a very pre-9-11. When yeah. I was over there, that's not how American airports are <laughs> like. Um, yeah, so those are the few things that really were pretty... Oh, catching a bus... Really, I mean, I think that's something that still happens in America yeah. <laughs> to go cross country, but it's not really something that would happen so much here in Australia. Yeah, uh, we don't. I don't. There's a lot of like interstate bus travel here, not anymore. But yeah, um, I mean, I used to catch the bus from Canberra to Sydney to go see bands and stuff like that. Mm. Um, but that's because I was a tight ass and things like that <laughs> as well. But. <laughs> um, yeah, like it's just little things that were very nineties. No one mm. uses, no one had a cell phone or anything. I suppose that's probably the other thing. That yeah, that's a good point. Internet that, really wasn't brought up at all in the film, so it's not so much that it's the nineties reference stuff. It's stuff that we take for granted now isn't yeah. in the mm. film. Um, yeah, yeah. I think being like nineteen ninety nine, it's it it doesn't really have a bunch of that. Yeah, the classic '90s fashion and, and the kind of thing that we would associate with the decade. Yeah, and then if you look at a movie like American Pie that came out in '99, that's to do with teenagers who are on the, the latest trends and that kind of thing. Yeah, so it doesn't even really have that to deal with. It's a bit more timeless in the sense yeah. that you know they're, they're wearing hoodies and no one's really the rocking an undercut or anything. Yeah, the one thing <laughs> that doesn't really surprise me though that isn't. It's like something that at time hasn't changed in America is when they're in the gun shop and they're talking about, like, <laughs> oh, this doesn't strike... It doesn't have that wrath of God feel about it, you know? Yeah. They're openly talking about committing murder in front of this gun shop owner and the gun shop owner just doesn't give a sh- I mean... Yeah, that that's probably only got... That's just very American, so I think. as well. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for this one, the only thing I had was the John Hughes references where yeah. even though they're 80s movies, they're talking about them in a, a way that's like they've watched them a thousand times, which is more of probably a 90s thing. Um, yeah, that would, definitely to... be, that would definitely come across as a lot more kind of idiosyncratic these days mm. if you were super into 80s John. John, John yeah. <laughs> yeah, it would be a bit more unusual. It would be more likely that you'd be talking about Kevin Smith movies and let's, <laughs> yeah. you know, let, let's go to the town that all the Kevin Smith movies take place in, which yeah, is actually, be, actually be, New Jersey. Jersey His yeah. Jersey would be the opposite, so... <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> And like the quick stop does exist, so it's it's a bit different. But anyway, that was the thing that struck me, and I guess the fact that Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, like their their well, appearances, so to, like their appearances together, like if you see yeah. them standing next to each other, like it just feels like the late nineties to me. <laughs> they look <laughs> like so however young many too. magazine yeah. covers, yeah, yeah, before the billions and billions of box yeah. office dollars that came since. Uh, so, what did you guys have for the most iconic scene in Dogma? Oh, it's such I, a toss-up. Yeah, I, I found this tricky. I've got a few noted down, kind of as I was watching it in 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 order. Sure, uh, give us the top I'll, three. Top three. All right, I'll give you top three. So, first was just the introduction of the Metatron, uh, Alan Rickman's oh, first yeah. appearance. <laughs> it's uh, just very memorable, you know putting out the flames, turning the baseball bat into a fish, 
No genitals. No genitals. Exactly. Yeah. I, I do have that noted down. <laughs> uh, the, the the big, you know, the giant wingspan appearance. Um, I don't want to step on Benny. I'll let Benny do one before I do any yeah. of those. Um, a couple of scenes with Loki, like Matt Damon as mm-hmm. Loki, uh, talking to the nun in the airport at the start, mm-hmm. uh, convincing her basically that religion doesn't <laughs> real uh, isn't real by uh, going through. Uh, talking about through the looking glass um then, it's a very kevin smith it is very dialogue. kevin smith <laughs> yeah but like just the delivery that matt damon and just his sheer belief in what he's doing as well just comes across really well on that mm. scene um the scene again on the like these are just the ones that really stuck in my head um from just remembering it before i even rewatched it i was like i remember this scene this scene this scene this scene um and it was like the um the movie office, the massacre, yeah, the boardroom scene. Yeah, yeah. I had that. I had that, that written down too. <laughs> that was yeah. my number two. Yeah, that, that's yeah. that's got to be one of the most. Um, like, if you talk to someone about Dogma, that's one of the scenes that everyone I think remembers the most. Um, but the it's one- got such a good sort of up and down to it as well. Because yeah, it's there's Matt Damon in there just like trying to be super dramatic, mm. and and then you know Ben Affleck's probably just like constantly undermining him yeah <laughs> and screwing up his flow but yeah just ending obviously yeah and the huge you didn't say god bless you when i sneeze <laughs> um yeah uh there's another one that always comes to mind is the scene underneath the in the car park towards the end mm-hmm. and it's the one line it's like i've heard a rant like this before like y- yeah. you sound like the sound goddamn like morning star yeah um like that just I don't know what about that scene just sticks in me. Like, mm-hmm. I just remember it really well. It's I don't very, know if there's any yeah, others. it's very stark. It it comes mm. across as just it's one yeah, of the few it'll... that's out of, feels out of place in the movie, but it's right for the movie, mm-hmm. and it just sticks in sticks in the back of my mind constantly. So the 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 other one that I had was uh, when they're all on the train, mm. and when Bartleby and Bethany are talking and they're getting drunk together. Well, Bethany's he's pretending to get drunk. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, Bethany's getting very drunk, and just the dramatic tension of the audience, obviously knowing mm. that you know one is essentially hunting down the other, or or, or you know trying to uh, that that they're going to the same place for the same reason, and seeing Ben Affleck, seeing Bartleby come to that realization as she starts talking after they've had a really like sort of nice friendly scene where they're getting to know yeah. each other and obviously enjoying each other's company uh yeah that one that one really sort of struck me as yeah as it's, it's a kind of tarantino-esque kind of tension yeah isn't it yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. going into so the strip clubs another one <laughs> serendipity. it's a fun moment like the musical yeah. cute like the musical side of it and yeah kevin smith kind of pulling out the you know the <laughs> the, the yeah, money yeah. And- yeah he's little shimmy a little jackson five thing that yeah Captain yeah, five, yeah. Captain yeah. Five. the little ding as as each one yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> each side brings out more and more money yeah so the, interestingly something that hasn't been mentioned it's the first one that i wrote down I, I wrote this one down before watching the movie was the poop monster yeah well, yeah <laughs> yes. um for some reason that was like the first thing that i thought of with dogma it's so ridiculous mm. um it it's probably the point that a lot of people might have like turned the movie off if they were watching it on TV. But um, yeah, I feel like Kevin Smith has to throw in some poo jokes. 
Yeah, you know, like and, this. <laughs> you know, at least it sort of <laughs> some, still called back in some way the whole Golgothan yeah. idea. Um, yeah, but it's pretty gross. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, so, on that note, what holds up the best? <laughs> yeah, well, on that note, I, I wrote down that actually the special effects in general hold up pretty well mm, for yeah. uh, for a movie of this time. I think mostly just because he he used practical effects yeah. in a good way. There's obviously some CG in there, uh, but relatively minimal and, and just sort of where needed. So I felt that in general, quite good. You know. The wings? What do you think of the wings? Yeah, well, cool. again, yeah. Again, using practical effects for that, they look great, you know? Yeah. Yeah, it, it didn't look so great when they were flapping like once every like five seconds and they were still staying in the air. But I guess that was just like, I don't know, the way that they had to do it. <laughs> yeah, it's probably hard to create that sort of realistic effect. And again, that was the CG. Like the CG mm. itself, if you recognize those moments, mm. you can probably tell it's again of the time. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There was a very, there were a few moments that that were reminiscent of like that, the special effects in like the Harry Potter films, whenever they were trying to create like a recreation of a person, right. Mm. Uh, it must've just been that the level of fidelity that they could do at that time. It, it sort of becomes obvious. But. I, I, yeah. yeah I, th- I think just the CG was such few, so few and far between. Like there wasn't a hell of a lot of the CG stuff. Yeah. It was so much more practical that like, the special effects actually do hold up pretty well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah, I thought it worked well, like when they had the wings removed and then mm-hmm. you could see like with Bartleby, the the nubs of the wings were still like moving around, yeah. kind of twitching, which was a, yeah. a cool little kind of like motorized And when they're shooting it off, like the squibs going off and things like that. And you, yeah, it actually looked really good. Yeah. Yeah, he mm. just used it where needed. Like, um, we haven't talked about him yet, but Azrael's horns appearing for the first time mm-hmm. and but then they're practical right then they're stuck on there after that so uh yeah just just very using it very minimally uh i was gonna say i wish he'd kept this use of cg into the future because i don't know if you guys have seen yoga hoses yet no uh which is one <laughs> of his it. most recent ones uh, look um, it was it was okay I saw the one with the walrus, and that was just like, Kevin, I'm sorry. I just, I'm, I'm trying here, man. I'm really trying. Yeah. I, I can't get into this film. This is the follow-up. I, yeah, I didn't want to see yoga hoses after that. This is the follow-up. It's, it's not quite as, as over-the-top strange as that, but yeah, it does have these little... <laughs> and I'm going to completely like undermine what I just said. It does have these little sa- sausage Nazis. That's mm. uh, <laughs> why I was like, sorry, man, you've lost me. I'm gone. Oh, but uh, <laughs> he uses he uses a lot of CG for those sausage Nazis in yoga hoses and it is not good CG. And mm. I just feel like it would have been so easy to just squish some f- real sausages and use practical effects. But uh, yeah, in, in Dogma, it definitely, they make good use of it. Benny, did you have anything different for this question? No, not really. I mean, it's yeah, we, we've pretty much covered it all. I think. Yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, the, just the practical effects. I think were like it suits a lot better. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll I'll still stick to this whenever it comes up. Is basically practical effects definitely work a lot better than a lot of special like CGI effects. Mm-hmm. Use CGI where it's needed, but sometimes the practical just works ten times better. 
Yeah, I guess it's interesting to think like Phantom Menace came out the same year as this, yeah. which is obviously <laughs> yeah. chock full of, um, I guess, a, a mixture of practical and digital, but mostly digital. It was and, mostly digital because yeah. that Yoda in there, like they tried to make a young. Originally, it was a, it was a puppet, I think. Originally for Yoda, they tried to make a younger version of the puppet. Like if you go look at some of the old screen grabs of it. It did not look anything like Yoda, <laughs> um, so that's when they CG'd it in for the, I think for the DVD releases yeah. or something like that. But I think Jar Jar was like Jar Jar was practical. He was CGI, but basically Armored Best was on set with a Jar Jar head stuck to his head. Okay, see, I thought so, he had like an outfit, and then it was just his head that was animated with. Yeah, the so he was basically him in an outfit. But they yeah. used that outfit as a template for where Jar Jar okay, was going sure. to be. And they CG'd the whole character over the top. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. moving on from Star Wars. Sorry. Uh, <laughs> I, I think that I, I think what held up the best for me was some of the theological critiques that we've mentioned already. Mm. Um, not like it's it's more like this, uh, there's a lot of stuff in here that's for dramatic effect, like the technicalities of um, how to get into heaven and this kind of stuff that. Is, there's really like no foundation for that at least in my belief system no. like you can't like outsmart god like it's, <laughs> it doesn't really work like that or like capture him inside like well, a I, th- guy. I think that proves the point that god is infallible so <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then like uh yeah the, the way that yeah just just that whole side of things like if you were to show this to a theologian they'd say like that kind of falls apart there but in saying that, the the commentaries that are running throughout the movie, with uh, with kind of monologues from both uh, Loki and Bartleby talking mm-hmm. about how the way people have turned away and, and twisted this great um, thing and and turns it into uh, something that's terrible, um, mm-hmm. being like you know the the corruption within the church and mm-hmm. the the way that we haven't mentioned him yet, but um, uh, may he rest in peace George Carlin his characters oh the cardinal um, commercialization of of church and you know sweeping the the sins of the past under the rug I think that's become way more pertinent with everything that's come out about c- the Catholic Church since this movie came out with obviously the abuse scandals and that kind of thing that only makes it kind of more relevant over the past 10 years or so Mm. Um, and like you mentioned as well, Benny, this, uh, monologue from Chris Rock's character, Rufus talking about like, um, people get caught up in their beliefs without going back to the reason that they believe in that, the the Mm. idea behind it. Yeah. Uh, I like the line changing it. It's easier to change an idea than a belief. Yeah. Yeah. And and like the movie's called dogma because of that reason. Like it's things that are believed without mm. any questioning or investigation just yeah. because that's what you're told it's like supporting a football team because your dad supported the football team or like yeah. I, I support donald trump because i don't because know why you support. Oh, because yeah. i'm a republican, republican. and yeah yeah, yeah exactly yeah yeah um so i think that holds up really well and that's something as someone with faith i you know encourage people to question things that they believe and, mm. and come to I think it's um, good to question everything the right answers yeah it's 100% good idea to question everything in life uh, church politics education science fact, fact fiction yeah. it's always a good qu- idea to question everything um, 
Because if you're not questioning things, you're not learning, you're not growing as a human being. And I think that's very important that we all should do. And I think that's why I think more people of faith and people not of faith should watch this particular film as well because it makes you question it. And hopefully when people finish watching a film like this, um, if they can stomach some of the, you know, the poo-poo monsters monsters (laughs) and... uh, Masturbation jokes. Masturbation jokes and uh, Jay's foul mouth... um, you know, they can walk away with it and go, and they can actually start asking those questions of themselves. Okay, what do I believe in? What do I think about this? How do I mm-hmm. feel about these sorts of things? And they can make up their own minds then and have, a, again, a better idea of the world around mm. them. And I think that's one of the good things about this film. It's yeah, it's interesting. Definitely. It's interesting actually. You know, you, you, talking about. You know, I was just thinking of this as you know, dogma as the title and sort of dogmatic Dogmatic law is what creates the whole loophole that they're trying to get through. But then you do have these characters sort of, I guess, and, and obviously just the film itself and it's, and it's commentary on religion, treating it all a bit more loosey goosey Mm. (laughs) um, in that, you know, it's, it's an idea. It's, it's on the belief, like uh, making it a bit more personal, I guess. And, and, you know, even when God herself (laughs) shows up at the (laughs) end, in that she's just this very sort of whimsical character then. And it's hard to see the kind of hard ass Old Testament God that Loki and Bartleby yeah. have been talking to and were familiar throughout with the whole film, yeah. Yeah. Uh, throughout the whole film. So yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how the film does sort of demonstrate both those sides mm. of it. And they even say it right at the start of the film in the disclaimer. It's like, God must have a sense of humor and like, look at the platypus and I'm still yeah. a little bit hurt about the disparaging <laughs> remarks made about our beloved platypus here in Australia, but you know, it's, uh, I'll, I'll live with it. I'll move on. But he does um, apologize for that in the second disclaimer. So he still called it stupid in that apology. So <laughs> uh, very good. Okay. So what holds up the worst? I'm going to go first. The rollerblade demons. I just yeah. don't know why why they're in the movie, <laughs> apart from that you have to have rollerblades in a Kevin Smith movie, I guess, in the nineties. Uh, it was just the they Azrael needed some little minions. Minions, and, yeah. Hey, henchmen. let's put these minions on rollerblades for some yeah. reason. The makeup was good. They looked the, pretty. You know, <laughs> the thing I don't get about them is that they're demons and they can open tear. They can tear a portal through time and space <laughs> and kill someone with a hockey stick. But then Jay and Silent Bob, like, beat them up. <laughs> what? Like, that doesn't make any sense. They, they, they just... clearly weren't super powerful demons <laughs> on mine demons. because... I don't... Maybe it's just Azrael could only afford so much help as part <laughs> of his plan. Yeah. Yes. That's why he got and... a demon and he didn't get a good demon. <laughs> yeah, that's the other part of it as well, is Azrael as a character, like, he has a really um, important role in the plot i guess but then he doesn't show up for the last act mm. yeah and and i just kept like as i reflected i was like why wasn't he part of that scene at the church like why wasn't he having to face god as well like it, it seemed like that loop that kind of c plot wasn't really closed is am i missing something there i mean he he gets killed by bob um he gets killed so yeah that's probably the only closure they yeah, yeah. When he hits him with the golf, oh, right. golf clubs, he dies. 
Right. Or so he I goes back sure to if... hell, I guess. Right. Okay, yeah. sure. Yeah. So I guess I'm, yeah, I, I didn't add that up, but that, that does make sense. You're right. So I do, I do. Not, yeah, at yeah. the end. But he, uh, but like, uh, I do agree, like, uh, Azrael's very minor <laughs> plot in the film, just, yeah. Yeah, he, they, that scene in the bar, they kind of treat him, you know, he has a big monologue and he, and he sort of has his, he's the, he's a tricky trickster and he was the mm. one who's, you know, who's sort of orchestrated it all. Yeah. Yeah. But it doesn't sort of hold up to his general role in the movie because yeah, what did he do? He sent a newspaper article that was pretty much real. Like, and then obviously he's sending his minions off to, you know, yeah. Antagonize people, but yeah. God in the hospital, but yeah. Yeah, exactly. But like, Uh, he didn't really do that himself. Like you're right. You're right. I, I I found like, and like the ending where it's just like, he's like, well, I don't care if I make existence. I, I just want it to end. I'm over it. I don't care. Mm-hmm. I was like, that's kind of... I mean, I guess I can't relate, but at the same time, it's like, it's kind of a <laughs> motivation. Yeah. Like, you just like, I just want everything to end. Like, that kind of sucks. I mean, it's the, the <laughs> go back to the dark night. It's like, oh, some people just want to watch the world burn. I was like, well, he doesn't really want to watch the world burn. He just wants everything to end. He's over it. So I was like, well, there must be another way you could do that. Like... Yeah, it, it did sort of feel like he was just there yeah. for the gag about the priest's golf clubs and <laughs> yeah. then he'd be the sort of guy to bless his own golf clubs. Uh, uh, the holy yeah. bartender joke and that was about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the air conditioning, yeah. Mm. The, the other thing I had was like, you've got this scene where Loki and Bartleby have like massacred a huge crowd of people and uh, you know all the chaos that's happened there. And then I guess there's the whole climax with, god and with jay and silent bob and with everything through that whole time there's no cops there it's like the, the whole point was to draw police there to kill him after he comes out of the church but all this chaos happens and there's not a police officer to be seen their response time is pretty lackluster isn't it? yeah uh it's i guess it's more of a nitpick than what holds up badly but i just thought i had to throw that that out there that yeah. um it's a I bit mean, of a plot hole yeah Anyway, that's all I, I want to say for this one. Did you guys have something holding up poorly? Um, like uh, going back to that sort of plot hole thing with the police not showing up, so, less so much with the boob movie thing. Like a little bit with the movie thing is like it's not referenced again after the massacre in the boardroom. Like mm. there's no men- like because they've got the news reports pumping up and it or, like things. And there's no mention of oh there's this movie massacre or anything like that. That's not <laughs> mentioned again for the rest of the thing. Also that when he kills the guy on the bus. And like they all come running and screaming yeah. off the bus, and then they just start walking off. And but it's like there's nothing like no cops turning up or anything to that or anything. No like where did these people run off to? Like there's no. And they still have to get across the country. So yeah, what? It's, it just I don't know. There's just something about that just seems drive to me bus. from a plot yeah. hole point of view. Like just jump in the bus and drive it to the next destination. Don't you know how to drive? You've been on Earth for <laughs> millennia. Yeah. Um, I would have figured you'd picked up on how to drive a freaking car at this stage, let alone a bus. So yeah. Yeah. No, I I'll give you points for that. Mm. Ben, uh, yeah, I, I didn't have too much. Um, I did sort of note just along the lines of what I said earlier, just the density of some of the church law and, and the way that it's necessary to make the plot fit together mm-hmm. can just be a bit hard to follow. Um, I think particularly the first time you watch it. Mm. Uh, but, you know, like I said, I, d- I didn't find that as bad this time. Uh, the only other thing 
that maybe doesn't hold up as well today is there's just some homophobic, slightly homophobic jokes in there. Oh, it's yeah. it's hard to tell with the like the intent is not pure, you know, it's no gay, malice, pa- gay panic kind of yeah. homophobia, but just around, you know, when the talk of the, the uh, Chris Rock's character, you know, announces that Jay masturbates to guys when he jokes off or whatever and the shock around that and that sort of yeah. thing so I, I don't think it was yeah I, it, was, it certainly wasn't malicious it was just more that it was played for laughs mm-hmm. I think the, the shock the, of it is more that like that's not the image that Jay presents yeah it yeah. goes against his like persona as being like a ladies crusher or whatever exactly so um, th- that was not 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 major at all but it just sort of uh, st- stood out a little mm-hmm. yeah but no sure. that's all I had yeah, okay. So, if we're going to ask who would be most offended, I feel like the obvious answer would be, like, probably Catholics. People that maybe don't have a sense of humour about their beliefs. Yeah, well, there beliefs. was a Catholic organisation that was yeah. protesting the film back mm-hmm. when it was first the came Westboro ba- Baptist Church. Oh, really? Was it the Westboro Baptist Church? I think Church? it was the Westboro Baptist oh, Church. because it, it was a different mob. I feel like oh, it was, was it? I feel like it was just, like, the Catholic... Like a, a yeah, a Catholic church or the community in general was picketing uh, to the point. Uh, there's some funny stories about you know. Obviously, mm. you've probably heard Kevin Smith joined the protesters one day yeah. In, yeah. In, in disguise, not necessarily in disguise, but pretending to be you know upset about the movie. Side, yeah. And then the they, they he- also held a they held a counter protest at at some point. Uh, with just a few of them out there, I it's think the Catholic League that protested it. Right. Okay. Yeah. I do and feel then, like because I know that Kevin's definitely had some interactions with the Westboro Baptist Church. They, though, they so would get upset about anything though, so it could have been any of his movies. Yeah. Really. True. True. <laughs> that, uh, that might have been for Red State or something. Oh yeah. Uh, you might that be makes right, sense. Actually. That would make yeah. sense for Red State because that's kind of true. Cultish yeah. a little bit. And then there was like the leader of that group. I think you said the Catholic League requested a copy of the movie so that they could like intelligently like object to it and kevin smith was like well what have you been doing up to this point because yeah (laughs) well the thing was they they contacted the head of disney for it they didn't actually contact kevin smith direct so and the reason why they and like kevin smith even said in an interview where they're basically oh yeah they were contacting the head of disney simply because they wanted to make it newsworthy, whereas if they just tried to contact Kevin Smith, that's right. not newsworthy. So that's yeah, 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 it doesn't get the attention because it brings more attention to their cause because they're offended as Catholics. They're not; they're more worried about them being offended rather than it being mm. offensive to the church. Sure. Yeah. Um, have either of you seen? When I searched for this movie, it came up with something called "In Defense of Dogma," and it was like Ben Affleck and Matt Damon, a forty-minute short. Oh film or documentary or something i guess talking about this movie no Does that sound familiar at all i don't no, recall I haven't it seen that. no yeah okay we might have to um we might have to look at that afterwards anyway uh i guess we will move on to does dogma pass the internet relevancy test and i kind of think it doesn't like most of the things you see on the social media that involve jay and silent bob specifically i think they tend to be from clerks too because mm-hmm. that's buddy probably Christ. like that's probably the most high def thing. Yeah, buddy, yeah. the buddy it's, Christ thing, I guess, has stuck around. It was 
It was actually was a bit of a meme, wasn't it? It still kind of is a bit of a meme. Like you look, you search for any like thumbs up gifts or anything like yep. that, it still comes up with the Buddy Christ image. Yeah, it was. It's a very well designed sculpture. Um, yep. It definitely <laughs> has just a yeah. Uh, it's a, defi- a definitive look, you know, uh, the the point and the thumbs up and the wink. So I'm not surprised that that sort of stuck around a bit. But yeah, I didn't find anything else particularly. I did a, a bit mm, of a search yeah. around to, to jog my memory, but, uh, you know, no no real gifts. Or yeah, like that if you type in stuff. dogma for a gift search, you don't get a hell of a lot. No. I, just... I feel like Kevin, like uh, Silent Bob holding up the $20 bill at the strip mm. club or something could be like mm. one that you could use for like presenting cash but there's yeah there's not a whole lot <laughs> he does lot do there. have such a good little <laughs> grin on his face as he does yeah. that yeah. little dance this is probably the the uh, I guess aside from his monologue in Chasing Amy this is probably the most involved that Silent Bob has been in one of the well, I, I guess apart from Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back and Reboot like in, in those in those 90s movies he's got like the biggest role he's got a couple of lines in this movie, right? No ticket, the great uh, Indiana uh, Jones uh, yeah, throwback. Yeah. No ticket and thanks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I exactly. think this was really well. This and in, in Mallrats, he sort of really started on the very cartoonish version mm-hmm. of, of Silent Bob and, and mm-hmm. Jay, of course. Uh, yeah, definitely Clerks and, and Chasing Amy. They were almost just cameos or background. Yes. Of thing. So I think this was certainly the first one where James and Bob were really main characters. And tied yeah. into the plot, yeah. And like tied essential. into the plot, exactly. Uh, and obviously James and Bob strike back. Strike yeah, back, yeah. Is, is vital for that. But um, yeah, I, I agree. It was probably the first time that he had such a major part. Mm. All right. Um, how would smartphones and social media change this movie? I don't know that they would. Uh, um, we, men- we mentioned that they didn't have any phones really at all. I think if they did, they probably would have realized that the town from uh, the the John Hughes movies was made up before they <laughs> turned up in uh, another state. You, yeah, I just <laughs> used the term maybe very strongly there because they are Jay and Silent Bob. Yeah, <laughs> true. <laughs> what, what do you think, Benny? In terms of, uh, yeah, like uh, technology, like with the whole thing going to like um, organizing the buses for the them and the train and all that sort of stuff where they're like, I think there's the scene at the bus stop before they meet Azrael. Where it's like, oh, you know, you should have organized this beforehand. Oh, yeah. right, like it's all stuff they could have done digitally these days. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, other than that, there's not really a huge amount. Like the news could have been on a social media post or something like that. Maybe it would have been videos of these horrible events happening that these guys have caused. Yeah, um, yeah it's not detrimental to the story, but like just the way technology would interact with it today. Mm-hmm. Like it probably would have changed a little bit. Yeah, I don't think there was much plot stuff that would have been changed by it. You know, they might have had some of the news a bit sooner rather than having to see it on a TV in a bar or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, the only thing, the only thing I thought of is uh, for Catholicism. Wow, that they would have had like a huge social media <laughs> campaign. Yeah, you know, they probably have like a, a Buddy Christ Twitter account that was run by them and and you know pumping out memes or something. Yeah, yeah it, it seems like a weird thing to get such big news cover, like TV news coverage, and uh, Dante Hicks. Is it Dante Hicks? 
Yeah. Who's the news reporter? Yeah. yeah it's well, the it's the it's the actor. Is he? It's is the he, guy yeah. that plays Dante. Yeah. And the guy uh, that plays Randall. Brian Brian I'm trying to think what his name is in this movie. I've got the. Oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. Grant, I think he's sorry. It's it's Grant Hicks. Or, right. Yeah. So presumably a relative. Yeah, yeah. And he's like, well, there you have it. <laughs> it's like such a classic like TV uh, TV reporter in movies thing to When say. you recognize it's him, though, it's like, just just say you're not supposed to be here today. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised yeah. they didn't throw that in there. Yeah. But like, and then Randall's also the gun, gun shop owner. Yeah, you've got all the usual suspects here as, uh, um, as Ben Janine would Gar- know. Like- Ruffalo shows up at the start of the um, Planned Parenthood. You've got Walter Flanagan, Brian Johnson, the guys yep. that just seem to pop up in every yeah, movie. Yeah, a couple of the Sco- protesters at the beginning. Yeah, Mo- Moshe's the guy that's making out with the woman <laughs> on the on the bus. Yes. And, yeah. Okay. Um, Not that it's any of your business. <laughs> yeah. uh, so, could you make Dogma in 2020, and what would that version look like? I think you could make it in 2020, quite easily. I, yeah. Um, Maybe fix a few of the plot holes up and <laughs> stuff like that. But yeah, easily, I reckon you could make it in 2020. I, I feel like in 2020, Dogma would be like an Amazon Prime exclusive or something. Oh, yeah. And they just yeah. like make it even more brutal with some of the, you know, add some add some additional kind of ultra violence in there. It feels like that's sort they of... They turn it into that... a 10 episode series and yeah. Yeah. I was just thinking yeah. that a series would work really well with something like this. And it's a bit more cat and mouse going back and forth. Mm. Um, yeah. Some twi- twists and turns as they th- go on their quest to... I think a good equivalent to yeah. not so much the direct like dogma story, but a good equivalent to it would be Good Omens on Amazon Prime already. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because yeah. it kind of has that same heaven and hell thing thing going demons, through it. Yeah. 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 But um, instead of being two renegade angels, it's a renegade angel and a renegade devil together. I feel like it would be a cross between yeah. the two Amazon Prime originals, Good Omens, and then The Boys. Yeah. Uh, where you sort of do have these off-kilter kind of, yeah, the renegade angels and some of the the renegade superheroes, I guess, in, in The yeah. Boys. So. Yeah, yeah, I haven't watched it's the Good style. Omens show, but the, they, they play the trailers for it all the time. and it, You, you yeah. should watch it. I reckon it's, it's good. It's really good. It. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I'll, I'll give it a look in. Uh, the uh, Steve Buscemi Spark Plug Award. Steve Buscemi. A real spark plug. There's a couple nominees. I guess Alanis Morissette has her appearance mm-hmm. as, as God. Uh, I actually thought Alan Rickman could be a nominee for this because he's not actually in a whole lot of the film. But every time he is, he's obviously a bit of a, a, a scene stealer. He's got yeah. so much presence as like a you know Shakespearean style kind of actor <laughs> that... Uh, Apparently, like that was what motivated Muse to learn his lines for once, and he yeah. ended up learning like every line in the whole movie. Oh, that's right, I do recall that yeah, story. Yeah, like yeah. everybody's lines. Yeah, yeah. And he got told off on set because he was mouthing the other people's lines, right, <laughs> during scenes as well. And he got uh, so he's... mad at himself because he was disappointing Alan Rickman. I mean, and why wouldn't you? Yeah, so, I mean, it's Alan Rickman. Forced to be reckoned with. Hmm. And you mentioned uh, Janine Garofalo. Uh, that's another yeah. kind of small role. She doesn't get much chance to do much with that. Mm. I think Kevin Smith actually said he wished he gave her that, that lead role after yeah. the trouble he had 
with uh with Linda. She would have been good actually. I feel like that would have worked. Yeah, really well. yeah. I think yeah. she's got a bit more of the comedy background to yeah. have made that work. Not that I think there was anything wrong. Like it kind of needed the straight person, the straight woman in that mm. role next to Muse and and whatnot. But um, yeah, I think I think we should give this to Alan Rickman. Um, great yeah, performance. If, if he qualifies, He's then I definitely think. Yeah. 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 Uh, although along those lines, George Carlin as well. Uh, yeah, actually, yeah, that's a good point. That's a good point. I don't know, like who who probably who gets less <laughs> even Jason time? Jason Lee kind of falls in that sort of category. Yeah, you, yeah. you're making some very good points here. <laughs> I actually don't know who to give it to out of Rickman and and Carlin. I'd probably say like just because Rickman's got a bigger role in the film and a more mm-hmm. integral role, I'd say Carlin because he's got a smaller yep. role. Yeah. Um, and he that. is great. I lo- yeah. Don't get me wrong. I absolutely love Rickman's performance in this. I think he's fantastic in his comedy timing on it's great. Um, and the line at the bar is like, well, I guess we get drunk because I'm all out of ideas. It's still, <laughs> still a good one. Uh, and he does the whole wax on, wax off at the end. I just, yeah, I love everything about that Alan Rickman does in this film, but I think Carlin gets it just for having the smaller role, but the bigger impact for such a small role. Yeah, I think the thing with Alan Rickman's character is... He has like some of the best dialogue in the whole thing. Like 100%. he has so many great lines, and so, like he's got that ugh, like the driest kind of mm. like, I wish I didn't have to be here kind of. Just the way he talks is. And is I always fantastic. love. I always love the way he leans on the f in fish in that first scene. <laughs> what are you gonna hit me with? Like you gonna hit me with that, that fish? <laughs> yeah. Kills he's me. Good. And um, yeah, Carlin. I know that was like a really big deal for mm. Kevin Smith to get him in the movie. I think it, I think this is his last like performance before he died. Oh wow! No, wow. no, no, because because he's in Jersey he Girl out. after this. Oh, is he? Okay, Smith maybe Smith and he's in James Bond Bob too. Uh, maybe not though, James Bond Bob too, but as well. Sure. Yeah. Maybe I just read that his last like his Kevin Smith was. A Kevin Smith movie may have been his last. It may have role. been. Yeah. yeah. It might okay. have been his cameo in. Uh, oh yeah, it might have been Jersey that. Girl then. Or anyway, yeah. Anyway, he gets the award, <laughs> so congratulations, George. Mm. Last question: Is Dogma still a good movie? I'm gonna say yes. Yep. Probably a tad too long. Maybe they could trim it down a little bit. It's over two hours, which is, I feel like is unless you're making a Judd Apatow movie, it's always a little <laughs> bit too much. But yeah, I think generally it holds up. Yeah, I think yeah. you're right. Trim some of the fat, like some. There is some, and that's a, a curse of some of Kevin Smith's film and writing as well, is because he has some of these long dialogue scenes as well. Um, that maybe, hey, some of that could have been just trimmed up a little bit just to expedite things a bit better. Uh, but overall, I think it's still a very good film, mm-hmm. very entertaining film, anyway. I agree. It uh, it held up a lot better than I remembered or expected it mm-hmm. to, based on not having watched it in probably a decade. Uh, and so yeah I I definitely agree you know it's got some good drama in there it's got a good interesting Mm. plot the cast is fantastic Uh, you know there's still that element obviously of of Smith's kind of playing around with his friends but in the context of this much larger interesting story so yeah yeah I think the performances are all pretty good Um, Mm. there's a few times where Salma Hayek's acting is kind of like I don't know Maybe it's just is it just who the character is. I don't know, but uh, generally, yeah, everyone 
does a really yeah. good job. And this actually, I, I'd written here that after Bartleby's change of like change of heart, when he sort of has uh-huh. his little epiphany, mm. Ben Affleck just starts eating up that role. He's just <laughs> yeah. like having so it, much yeah. fun with it and over the top. Yeah, it's fantastic. The, the moment when he's like in front of God and he's like, "I'm sorry." Like, I actually really I did like that kind yeah. of. Mm. Is it pathos? I don't know. Whatever. Mm. It, mm. Catharsis. It's one of those words anyway. Um, <laughs> what's going on around 8-Bit? So Bitstorm obviously is pumping out week to week. Uh, ben, is there anything you want to plug with that? Yeah. Uh, I am editing. I'm going to finish the edit tonight. I'm not sure when this episode comes out, but by the time Soon. it does, we will have put out episode 200. Woo! So we've hit that that uh, big Brilliant. milestone. It's awesome, man. So we've sort of done a, a bit of a, a bumper episode. It's a it's an hour and a half episode. We actually did some really, really fun games. So for those who don't know, that's a, a comedy improvised game design podcast. It's a good yeah. show. You should listen to it. I've been on it. It's hell of a lot of fun being on it as well. Yeah, Thank definitely. You, yeah, absolutely. I want to be on it again, actually. I should hit you guys up. <laughs> yes, you should. Come on. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. <laughs> And Benny, you've got an 8-bit cast episode that's probably not too far away, but in the works. I've got some stuff in the works uh, Mm -hmm. for 8-bit cast. Uh, I did an 8-bit cast recently with the boys from a couple of NPCs. Go check it out. Actually, Mm -hmm. really, I even listened back to it myself and went, man, this was a really good, fun, just chill-out chat. Um, So definitely worth a listen. Um, Still doing some other stuff around the 8-bit network. Uh, We've got the Twitch live streams coming up. I don't know if this episode will be out before that. This will be out on Thursday, Wednesday this week. So. Wednesday this week. Oh, so yeah, it'll be out before the next uh, community game night, which I think is October 23rd, if I've got my Fridays correct. I think it's 23rd. Anyway, uh, twitch.tv slash weare8bit. Um, Brennan 8bit will be hosting it. I'm going to go around to his place and we're going to be having some fun and playing some games. I think most of mm. are going to be playing... Um, a little bit of fall guys and maybe some new jackbox party pack and stuff like that so if you get a chance jump on have a have a laugh with us come hang out yeah that'd be good and awesome. you've just um had a really great episode of the hungry game show too so congrats oh, yes. on not coming last uh, yes we won't, uh, we won't spoil <laughs> i was gonna you. say we, we won't spoil what your score was but uh yeah i will say <laughs> Congratulations. <laughs> uh, and of course, yeah, I mean, you can catch me on Putting In Work podcasts and you can support this podcast with your ratings and reviews in podcast services of choice, especially Podchaser to, you know, get, get some of that traffic over to, to Ben's daytime Appreciate gig. Plug. Mm. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, and uh, yeah, just if you really want to support all three of us, you can head over to the Patreon at patreon.com slash we are 8 bits A-T-E-B-I-T kick in a few dollars a month and keep the emotional lights on as we like to say uh, where can we catch you on social media Ben? Uh, yes yeah, so you can find me on at Twitter just Ben underscore Slinger or Bitstorm at Bitstormcast uh, and also our Podchaser page is podchaser.com slash Bitstorm very good and Benny? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at the Spawny13, and all complaints in regards to my comments on this episode forward them to at Brendan Apit. <laughs> Fantastic, uh, and you can catch me on all socials at Johnny himself. Uh, but for now, thank you again for joining us, dear listeners, on Comedy Rewind. Be kind. Stay hungry. <laughs> <laughs>